but I'm, this is just such an important thing because when you look at the Christmas story, one of the things I love the most about it is how God chooses little people, not the like Fisher Price characters, but you know, like humble, not the people you think are the most like glamorous people, but little people in little places to show up. Like God brings His presence into places that you would not expect it. And so we, last week we talked about where we find Him, where we find Jesus, where we find God. And it's in these like, environments where they're oftentimes underappreciated, they're um, easily overlooked, oftentimes unsafe. That's what little towns are like. And I'm, I like this because I'm, I'm from a small town. Any of you guys from small towns besides me? Yeah, I know that's got to be true. We're here in Manhattan, K-State. Um, I, I'm from, I count Mayetta, Kansas is my hometown. Population 200 and change. All right, so that's, that's small. Anybody got me beat? Anybody from a smaller town than Mayetta? Oh, sh- yeah, that's right. Corning. 170? Yeah, Sean's got Corning and Mayetta. We kind of like, we ally together. We can relate to one another. Um, but it's, there's, it's really, it's easy to think. And the, the theme, this is, so this is the theme of our series is that how God shows up. God's presence comes to places that are easy to, to overlook. There's another little town in Kansas called Overbrook. And Overbrook, I grew up going to family reunions here. And on their, on their little sign as you come into town, their slogan, it's been there for decades. I think it's still there. It says, don't overlook Overbrook. <laughs> and that's kind of like the, the psychology of being from a small town. On the one hand, you're like, you own it. Like, yeah, we're, we're, there's something charming about us. There's more here that meets the eye. Don't overlook it because there's, there's actually a pretty special place. And then on the other hand, there's like this kind of plaintive like desperation. Like, don't overlook Overbrook, please. Like, we, we, we matter. We, we, we have some significance. Please, like, give us some acknowledgement. And, so, and a lot of us live in that tension. Like, really. Because it's, it's easy to think that happiness comes from, from some part of your life being bigger than what it currently is. It's easy to think that happiness will come if your bank account's a little bigger, if your job is a, position's a little higher, if you, have, if you have more Instagram followers, I guarantee you if you have Instagram, you have more followers than I do because I don't have any. <laughs> but just like if I have a little more likes, more followers, if my team has more wins, maybe if I live in a bigger city, then, you know, then I would have happiness. Or if my church was bigger, man, then I'd be happy. Or all these different things that we can think like if it was just bigger. That would, that would add, that's what I'm really looking for. And, you know, if, I, I just encourage you to think about that. Like, what in your life do you wish was bigger than it, than it currently is? I've, one of the interesting phenomena in our culture in the last number of years is the whole tiny house movement. And I've got little pictures here of, of tiny houses. You've got these, you know, houses of like a hundred and, 70 square feet on wheels. Usually it's people with some hippie tendencies that, that live in them. <laughs> so you can, but there's this, but it's, this phenomenon is growing. And when I look at a tiny house, I first think, like, cramped, claustrophobia. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, like, I don't know how I could live in, in that much room. But there's actually, I really love the philosophy behind this movement. Not that I'm planning to get an actual tiny house. 
anytime soon. But it's really the idea that the quality of your life isn't found in the square footage that you live in. And it's really going against the whole like McMansion sort of philosophy. You're just like, hey, if I just had a bigger house, then I'd be happy. And people in the tiny house movement, many of them are saying, you know what? I would rather not be in debt. I'd rather not spend 30 years of my life paying off this mortgage and like taking this $250,000 house and turning it into a million-dollar house by the time I pay for interest and all the repairs and everything for it. Tiny house people, they actually generally pay off their house in two years. So that's, that's pretty appealing, really, because it's saying, man, this quality of my life is not based on the square footage, but there's financial freedom, there's less clutter, less time given to stuff, and more to just focus on, on relationships. And so I think there's a really a truth in that, and the reality that the quality of life isn't found in how big things are, but it's, it's other things. The quality of our experiences and our relationships, ultimately. And today we're looking at tiny beginnings. We're looking at how things, God always works. Things start small. And the big things really, you know, I've got some seed, a seed packet here, all right? These are, these are beans. These are bean seeds. There are probably enough seeds in here, and I've got more right here. <laughs> I was, if, you, if you look like you're falling asleep, I might spread them out a little bit. I might sow some seeds here this morning. But these are leftover because we plant enough in our little garden, and then we get a lot of beans from just a few seeds. And there's a principle of God's kingdom always works like that. We're going to get into that more in a little bit. But small things, our first point today is that big things come in small packages or small packets. That there are a lot of things that, that start small or that are small, but there's more to it than meets the eye. And so it's important for us to get beyond what our culture says or maybe what our, our fallenness says is going to, we need more bigness in this area but to look at you know, what, what really is of quality and of substance. We're going to read this story this morning and look at the story of, of um, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, who became the, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to look at how the, this principle of tiny beginnings plays out. So let's, let's pray together as we, before we dive into that. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you bring insight that would cut through the, the false thinking and even the idolatry in our own heads and help us to really see what you value. And, Lord, more than that, help us to see, um, help us to prepare ourselves to be, to, to, to be tiny people that can welcome you. Lord, let us experience more of your presence and your purpose. Lead us into that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, really, what I just prayed, I think, really is the essence. And as we look at the Christmas story, it's not just like, oh, yeah, those nice things happened. But we're going to look at how Mary became the, the mother of Jesus. She literally hosted God's presence physically. And, but that same calling, even in, a more, even in a more real way, is what every person God extends the invitation to. That we would come into relationship with him and host his presence in our life in a very real way. And so it doesn't matter what our qualifications are or how small we are, but it's the response of our heart that determines 
if we host God's presence in our life, the way he desires us to, the way he desires to be with us. So let's read through this. In verse 20, 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was a relative of Mary who God had visited a little bit earlier. She was also going to have a child who became John the Baptist, the, the forerunner to Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Just, again, just, this is our, our main theme here with this whole series, but it's worth camping out, just thinking about a little bit more that the most important event in the history of the world, the most significant thing that had ever happened, that God was about to show up incarnate, in flesh, on planet Earth. And he didn't choose Athens, or Babylon, or Rome, or these great cities of the world, even Jerusalem, the capital of, of Israel. But he chooses Nazareth. This little town, this region of Galilee that was like Kansas. It was like you go to the coast, people like, oh, Kansas, do you guys have McDonald's? It's flyover country. Like, that's how people looked at Galilee. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's the backwoods. That's, you know, that's a small town in Kansas somewhere. They had a saying, that, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was the, just how they looked at this area. So this place that people would say, can anything good come out of there? God's like, hey, watch me. Yeah, when I show up, something good is going to come out of that place. So the angel Gabriel shows up. He comes to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And we mentioned this last week, but so Mary and, and Joseph, they are both of royal lineage. They both are descendants of King David. The, the, the royal line of Israel, through whom God has promised to send the king who will be the king of the whole world one day. But they are far from royalty at this point. That was hundreds of years ago. And their family path has brought them to live in Nazareth and not have many resources and not have much, really, that people would think of them. But God thought of them and chose them. So there's a divine purpose and calling here in this little place with these, these little people. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And that's really the essence of it right there. Is that what's, what, is, what does value come from, or what does a full life come from? If God is with us, it doesn't matter what town you live in, it doesn't matter how things are going, it doesn't matter how we're feeling or how successful we are, the Lord is with you. That changes everything. And that was, that's what came to Mary, that's, that's what comes to us too. The Lord is with you. It's, there's a divine purpose, divine calling here with her. It's interesting, we go on in, in Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Think like, why was she troubled? This is like a good message. Hey, God is with you. You're highly favored. But, I mean, first of all, there's this angel showing up. I mean, you know, we all often think of angels as little babies with diapers flying around. But the reality is, if you saw an angel... You would need the diaper, because that's, that's the effect that angels have when people see them. And so Mary's, like, overwhelmed. But also, the, 
you are highly favored. To Mary, like most of us, if we actually hear those words coming to us from God, it doesn't compute. It's like, wait, I'm highly favored? I don't feel so highly favored. I feel very normal or subnormal, actually. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a little person and, and I just had an argument with my sister today. I'm very broken, very imperfect, very, like, I, why would I be favored with God? There's a whole lot in me that's broken. And the best thing about the favor of God is it's the favor of God. It's that more about Him than us. It's Him extending His favor to us, more than us, like, earning His favor and doing something that makes him, makes him say, oh, yeah, I have to favor that person because they deserve it. No, it's that God is a gracious God, and he extends his favor to us. And so it comes to us where we are. And that's a question for us, is that in our normalness, in our obscurity, in our brokenness, can we know, can we believe that God's favor is being extended to us in Jesus? And that's the truth, that through Jesus, his favor is extended to us. If we receive Jesus as our Savior and our King and and trust him, then his favor comes to us. And so, read on verse 31, um, or verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So in this small town with these little people, God is sending the Messiah, and he will be great. He's going to be great. He's going to be the king. He's going to be the one who reigns and brings his justice and peace and salvation into the world. And so, but, if, but the way he's going to come is not the way we would do it. It's not like Thor showing up on his, on his good days in the Avengers. You know, it's like, man, there he is in all his power and glory and grandeur and strength. You're like, oh yeah, there's, there's God. He just showed up. But God comes As an embryo, you will conceive. And this is, this is crazy. You talk, you talk about tiny. It doesn't really get any tinier than this. God, for a moment in time, becomes a single-cell organism. A, a embryo, the beginnings of an embryo inside Mary's womb. And the God who created the universe, the God who is everywhere and rules over everything, He is comfortable with being really, 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 really small. Really small. I mean, just think about that, you'll probably blow some some gaskets in your head. I mean, it's just intense that God became a person and became the tiniest of people. What about little people? There he is, God, fully in Jesus, and, and humbled himself. And it's a mystery of like, what is, man, what, what was the conscious, conscious, like, what was... There was some level of, he was always God, but he laid aside some of the aspects of divinity 
as he became a man. And then he, he became, this, he grew within Mary's womb, and then was born as a baby. And then lived for 30 years. I mean, just grew up as a little child. And he had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. He had to get potty trained. He, I mean, all this stuff. Like, God humbled himself to become so small in order to bring his life to us. And then he lived 30 years. I mean, most of us are waiting for our big break. You're like, man, you know, I've been waiting too long. I've been, like, doing this for a while. God lives small for 30 years. He's comfortable with that as, as part of his plan. And so big things often come in small packages, and God wants us to be able to see our environment. Like, it's not based on what we can see, but... It's more about, God, am I inviting you into the situation? And I'm responding to your desire to be in the situation where I'm at. And so, big things come in small packages. But seeds, back to our, our seeds here, back to our seeds here, they start small, but they don't stay small. And that's a cool thing. God's promises usually come to us in in seed form, not like not a stick of dynamite, dynamite where it's just like light the fuse and bam, there it is. But it's it's a seed, and it's this process of germination and growth. In Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus says this. He told him another parable: the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch. And its branches. God's promises. God, all, everything God does, it, it, or at least most things God, do, do, God does, work in this principle of a seed. It starts out as a seed, and it has to be planted, but then it will grow into something more. And so you've got to be able to see the seed, but have faith that more can come from it. In Zechariah 4.10, God says this. He says, Who dares despise the day of small things? Who dares despise the day of small things? That's such a tendency in our own heart, our own life, to despise smallness. Don't despise the day of small things, whether it's personally or the team you're on or anything else. Don't despise that, since the Lord will rejoice when he sees the chosen capstone. This was talking about, this happened at a time when the temple had been destroyed and Israel had been in captivity for 70 years, and they had just laid the foundation of the new temple. But people were like, oh, okay, but it's still it seems so small. And God said, don't despise the day of small things. Because the Lord is going to see this come to completion. It's not going to stay here. But the capstone is going to be put in place as well. A seed's small, but it's intended to grow. Even in Jesus' own life, we mentioned that, but in Luke 2.52, we're told that Jesus himself grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Uh, Jesus, as a man, he started small, but then he grew into something more. And we see this, in the, this is how the kingdom of God works. In Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, in the prophecies that have been written about and spoken about the coming Messiah, and really the story that's happening to Mary. To Mary. In, in, a, in, a, in Isaiah 7, the prophecy is, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. So there, the virgin, the, the, the probably teenage mom, conceives this tiny baby. 
and gives birth to a son. And you're going to call his name God, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So it's, it's small, but there's so much more going on than that. And then in two chapters later, in, in chapter 9, we're told the prophecy was, To us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This, a child is born. A son is given. And this child, what do you want to call him? Oh, call him Mighty God. That's a little weird, right? you got a toddler walking around. Hi, Mighty God. How are you doing, Mighty God? That's, that was the reality. God. As a toddler. Everlasting Father. That's a little weird for a three-year-old. Hi, Everlasting Father. Good to see you today. How are you doing? But that's the truth. God became small. The Father of everything. The one who's been from eternity became small, and God comes to small places and fills them with his presence and his purpose. We go on in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He's bringing his kingdom. This little child is bringing his kingdom. And of its increase, of, the inc- of his government and peace, so his kingdom, his peaceful kingdom that brings peace and justice and righteousness, it's going to keep increasing and increasing and increasing. And that's what God's kingdom does, not only in the world, but in our lives, in our relationships. Everywhere where we receive the seed of God's presence in his kingdom, it brings increase into our life. So, don't overlook small things, but expect that God takes small things and wants to bring something more out of them. And so, what about us? Like, what about, what about you? How does this relate to our lives? I mean, is this, this nice Christmas story, good food for thought? Well, I want you to ask yourself, can, can I see God in the small things in my life? Can I see God in, in the tiny beginnings? Am I able to see the things that I, I wish there was more? And you know what? There's maybe a, some, of that, some of the stuff where us wanting to be more is our, our flesh and our, our selfishness. And some of us wanting to be more is from God because he's made us for more. And he wants his kingdom to grow in us and around us and through us. But can I see God in the tiny beginnings? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about when our church first started. And there were five of us the oldest of us were 27. We moved here, didn't know, knew one person, sort of, knew of one person in Manhattan, and just started meeting people. And it was a, it was a interesting process, a wild process, really cool process. There were a whole lot of times along the way of going, oh my goodness, like, God, are you in this? Like, where, where are you? And so I think about, we, we, met, we started meeting at our house. We had church in our living room for a while. And... I've got a few pictures of that here. This, you may recognize a few faces in, in these pictures if you can see them. We were just a handful of us standing around, um, maybe having a guy playing a guitar. A lot of times it was just like a computer plugged into some tiny little speakers playing songs that we would sing. 
And, but I remember being in this room, and God's presence was there. I mean, like, God's presence was there as much as I've been in rooms with thousands of people worshiping God. And God's presence was in this room just as much. Just as much. And just as much as now, it's like, wow, God, you are with us, and you're for us, and you're doing something through us. God, you're in these, these tiny beginnings. That's, but we have to, God wants us to be able to see that. How, how do we view our life? Um, how, do we, how do we see where we're at in life right now? It's easy for most of us to be like, man, this feels pretty darn small. This feels pretty like, insignificant right now. But can we, get, can we open up to God and say, God, I, you are with me, and you're for me. And it's not about my accomplishments or recognition, but it's about you being with me and you being for me. How do we view our circumstances? How do we view, like, like you know, Mary, her circumstance was, she was an unwed mom. It was a brutally tough situation. Her husband wants to, to leave her. She's going to be misunderstood. But God is in that. She's actually pregnant with God. And same for us. We, we have tough situations in our life. And do we see the, the adversity of it as the, the biggest thing? Or can we see that, no, man, God, you're in this situation. You're ready to be in this situation. Uh, you're, you're, you're with us in that. How do we see other people? The, how do we see people around us? We have a, one of our sayings around here is that your calling and destiny matter to us. And that's the ability to look at somebody who has a lot of problems, a lot of immaturity, a lot of weaknesses. But to be able to see that person who's obnoxious or broken or messed up and go, hey, I see the purpose of God in that person's life. I see there's something in there that God wants to pull out. And God, maybe you could use me to help pull them into something more. Sometimes people, they ask me, like, man, where do you get, where, how do you have these young people that are passionate for God and, like, leading and serving and doing stuff in God's kingdom? Like, we, there are a lot of churches that are just love to have young people. They, they, and I'm like, well, they weren't like that when we found them, most of, most of them. <laughs> they weren't, like, passionate. They weren't leaders. But, they're, but man, we, we saw something. We saw there was something there. We're willing to engage in that process. And yes, it's, it's so cool to see that process unfold. Um, look, it's so cool in this story. Then after Mary gets this message from Gabriel, and she becomes pregnant with, with Jesus. She goes and visits her, her relative, Elizabeth. And we pick up that story in, in, in verse 41 of this chapter. I think it's 41, is that right? Um, yeah, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so she, Mary walks in, greets Elizabeth, the baby inside Elizabeth leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So little baby John, inside of Mary's tummy, leaps within her, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, and she exclaimed, Bless, about this, most people seen Mary Knowing she's pregnant, that's not the response they're having. They're like, oh, shameful. She's pregnant. Mm-mm-mm. Bad stuff. 
But Elizabeth and little baby John, they have a totally different response. They see something that other people aren't seeing. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But who am I? why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's so cool. It's like a little baby jumping up and down inside. Like, yeah, this is awesome. Wow, there's Jesus. He's right here. He's like doing somersaults, like excited, kicking, like leaping inside because he knows the presence of God is right there. And he's come and good things are happening. But they're the only ones that are seeing it right there. Um, yeah, that's, so can we see God? Can we see God in those places around us where he's coming? but where it's easy to miss. And I love what, um, what Elizabeth says. She says, Blessed is she who's believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That was really the, the one thing we know about Mary that is so worthy of, of um, following her example. And the thing that we know God loves this is she, she heard God's word and she responded with faith. She said, okay, I don't know how it's going to happen. It doesn't, look, doesn't make sense. But... You're going to do it. God said it. And so I'm going to believe it. And so, how do we deal with these tiny beginnings? Well, celebrate where you're at. Celebrate where we're at. Whatever it looks like. However big or small it is. Celebrate, man, God, you're, you're in this. You want to be in this? But trust Him to bring growth. Trust Him for more. Trust Him to show up in that situation and do more. And I just want to read... Uh, what Mary's response was back to when the angel appeared to her. She, so God had given this great promise through Gabriel in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. For no word from God will ever fail. And here's Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I'm the Lord's servant. Celebrate where you're at. Hey, okay, that's who I am. I'm the Lord's servant. May your words come true. I'm going to trust you to bring it about. And that's what God wants to encourage us to do. Looking at where we are, but, but trusting God to bring, bring growth. And that's true for us personally. That's true for us as a church. You know, we as a church, we, we look at winning. The way we measure winning is every member making a disciple every two years. That's what winning looks like. Now, every member in our community is being a wholehearted follower of Jesus and then multiplying their life by making a disciple of somebody else every two years. And you know, that's happening to a significant degree. At school, we got people that are following Jesus and then investing their lives in others and seeing other people come to faith and pouring their life in them and making a disciple. And that's, there's lots of room to grow. That's, that's how do we see God's kingdom grow through our community? Well, that's how we see it happen. It's I'd be a disciple and then I... Trust God that he wants to use me to see other people come into his kingdom 
and grow as a follower of Jesus too. And so, and personally, am I, I, I have faith in my heart that God wants to use, I want to see our church come to 1,000 people. In Manhattan. I'm excited to see us be 120 people, be 200 people, not, but not just a crowd, but disciples who are, every member is making a disciple every two years. And as that happens, seeing more and more disciples in this community raised up and seeing that continue to see people um, sent out into other cities and places to, to see God's kingdom come. Continue to see other churches started. It's kind of crazy that our, our church, in our, in our humble history, we've had a part in planning three other churches for people going out from here. It's like, wow, that's pretty crazy. There's a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, a church in Kansas City, a church getting started in Topeka, that people that were, grew and established in their faith and grew as leaders, and they went out and now planting churches there. And so, Celebrate where we're at. We, man, I want to see more. I, I know God's got so much more for us. So we got to like, be content where we're at, but also say, God, how can I say yes to what you want to do in my life? How can I be a part of seeing your kingdom expand through me? Um, yeah. So, think about that. Chew on that. Apply that. Um, gonna change gears just a little bit here. I think that's 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 the end of our message. But we're gonna do something kind of special. Rob and Rachel, can you come on up here this morning? If you don't know, this is Rob and Rachel Zima. And Rob, Rob's been around for like eight years, and Rachel moved here like four years ago-ish, almost four years ago, yeah, when they got married. And Rob was, it's, it's been cool, I kind of just think about people.